Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a look at a quick video from Refinery29. Refinery29 is a lifestyle destination that delivers non-stop inspiration to live a more stylish and creative life. Fashion and style can be incredibly intimidating, but we don't take it too seriously. Discovering your style and cultivating it, it's a journey that everyone is participating in. We want people to feel good when they read Refinery29. We want them to be inspired, we want them to be amused, we want them to be entertained and to walk away with resources and tools that they can incorporate into their lives. The pace of working online is so relentless and mostly in a good way. The speed of content, the speed of feedback is incredible. Sometimes people say that when they read Refinery 29, they know that someone is home. That feeling is absolutely critical to our voice and to who we are as a company. As a young company, it's a really exciting time. So much is changing right now in the, in the media and the advertising space. And we don't have the baggage and the shackles of a lot of the old ways of doing things. We can really embrace the change and drive the change versus having to be fearful of it. Please welcome this evening's guest moderator, editor-at-large at Fashionista.com, Lauren Sherman, and tonight's guests, CEOs and founders of Refinery29, Justin Stefano and Philip Von Boris. Hello. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for coming. Thanks to Philip, not Philippe, Philip and Justin for, for being here. Um, I guess to start... I want to hear about how this all came to be. I was looking at the bio and it said you guys started this in 2005 and that seems like a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that's a long time ago. We used to come to the Apple store and just leave Refinery29 on every computer screen so people would find out about it. <laughs> that, was, that was our <laughs> first 10 users, I think. Um, yeah, no, 2005, ages ago. But um, Justin and I, um, always been sort of very entrepreneurially focused and had noticed a sort of trend of things shifting from sort of big and established brands to interesting designers and boutiques and artisans emerging and they're really not being a sort of discovery platform to um, actually access all the incredible things that you sort of found uh, walking down Howard Street or Crosby Street or if you're visiting a different city and so the initial inspiration was actually to create this sort of um, destination that brought together all these incredible creators um, that were doing something new and interesting and had sort of an independent sense of style. Um, and this is back in the day in 2005 when sort of, you know, on the one extreme in terms of search and discovery at City Search, and then it was sort of magazines putting their content online, but there wasn't really sort of a new voice for um, emerging fashion. And that was the very beginning. So, so what did the first iteration of the site look like? I remember it. I thought it was amazing, but what, what did it? It was, uh, it looked like a mall directory. So if you guys remember what, I mean, not remember, they're still there, but if you walk into any mall and, you know, any suburban area or even in midtown Manhattan, if you, you know, you see one of those uh, mall directories with the legends at the bottom. <clears throat> so that was the first inspiration. That's what inspired the first product. And so what we wanted to do was take the city and abstract 
retail into a digital destination that you could filter using all of these different buttons. Um, it was, again, back to what Philip was saying, it was a product that we developed um, based on a problem that we just wanted to solve for ourselves. We didn't launch it with a, with a real business plan. Um, we didn't know how we were going to make money. Um, it was really just about making something that we thought was fun and that we would use. Yeah. So let's backtrack for one minute. What did you guys do before you did this? Were you, did you do anything? Were you, were you in college? <laughs> yes, we did go to college. Thank you. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> um, no, we had, we had no background in fashion, what to speak of, which is actually really interesting because um, our other two co-founders from the, from, you know, who were there very early on, had a long-standing background in fashion, but I think I was sort of outsider status was actually really, really important. So I, uh, I studied history in college. I went to work for a, did, for a startup in DC that was focused on sort of international affairs and politics, and Justin was in an even odder part of the universe. I, I was actually investigating police. So <laughs> a completely different world. So um, you were working in, in internal it affairs? Was, it was in internal affairs. It was a civilian oversight board. So I also I studied political science and philosophy and was going to go to law school. And I didn't want to do the paralegal thing. Really didn't want to do that at a corporate firm. And I found this job working for the city where they gave you a badge and a, a, you know, a, a city car. And they sent you, you know, out into the far boroughs of the city to investigate complaints of police misconduct. So that I did that for about scary two years. scary and awesome. It was awesome. I mean, the, it was super fun for, to be in your early 20s and wearing a trench coat and acting, <laughs> <laughs> interviewing cops at you know, 8 a.m., like senior tenured captains and having to be really serious. And um, it was fun. Well, I, I mean, I could talk about that, honestly, for the next half an hour, but back to Refiner29. Um, so you, you guys came up with the site. Was it just like talking? You were like, we want to do a business together. What's missing? Or how did you decide to, you know, write the code and publish, start publishing? I don't even think we knew what code was. Um, <laughs> when, we, when, we when we initially came up, but that's not entirely true. I mean, that's not entirely true, but it was a very organic process. We were just hanging out and we were talking about, we were both spending more and more time online. And um, we were with a bunch of friends and, and people were talking about how they had stayed home from work one day and they were you know, just wasting time on the internet and there was no place they could go to to just discover fun things to do in New York City. Um, and it just seemed like a problem that should be fixed. And again, the only thing that was, that was addressing it at the time was city search and that was like the yellow pages online. There was no curation. Um, so it was a very organic thing, and it came out of us just listening to people, um, you know, literally like at a bar, yeah. a conversation with friends, um, and identifying a problem and wanting to fix it, solve it. And it was really about a, a personal passion of, of noticing, again, this trend of sort of all these incredible people that were opening up shops. And this is, you know, again, sort of putting this in the context of the time, there were sort of designers like Alexander Wang and Rag and & Bone and many new designers that were sort of just emerging at that time. They were literally, you know, I remember two months in, we would shoot Alexander Wang at his East Village apartment um, in his living room, um, stitching together fabric. And we sort of captured the zeitgeist of that moment and captured something that was really unique and, um, and happened to find something that was really interesting for consumers in, in sort of being a discovery agent and also being a sort of uh, a platform for, 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 for brands and, and people who had a somewhat difficult time sort of getting the word out um, to connect them to that. 
So when you look at refinery now and what I'm sure the entire audience knows refinery as, it's 10 million uniques a month. It's a really big site. You guys have editors in every city. You have newsletters for every city. I know I read your newsletter every morning and I'm always click on the links. Um, so how did you get to be what now is, you know, a media company that I, you're the fastest growing startup or, or media company on the Inc. 500, I think it was, or media company. Right? Yeah, media, media company, company on the Inc. 500. You're a brand that you know traditional media companies talk about all the time. I've been in the meetings with you know magazines, and they say, "How can we do what Refinery does?" And so, how did you guys get from being at a bar talking about finding cool shit in New York to getting? Oh, sorry about that. Um, to getting to being this huge company that, you know, traditional media companies are looking to for, you know, guidance. It's a, I mean, th there's a lot in there that, that, that I feel like you need to like probably. open a bottle of wine. Um, but I, I think the most important thing to sort of anchor this conversation is that when we, when we started, we built these sort of like very organic relationships with brands, with store owners, and we started to have small events, local events, kind of in the same vein that Yelp grew up and they started to have local ambassadors who had sort of these, these micro events in local markets. And there was just sort of very sort of grassroots feel to it. And it had something to do with, with creating a little bit of goodwill. It was about sort of promoting one another and promoting local retail, promoting local designers and stores. And that gave the brand its sort of anchor in, um, in, in, in being sort of, a, you know, a vehicle for discovering great things and for building a community of people. And that community at first was like this big. I remember watching our Google Analytics stats back in like 2006 and being like, we're gonna have 2,500 visits today and it's gonna be a killer day. And, um, and, and our journey was very, very organic for the first couple of years of essentially just building that community. You know, we, today when we speak to entrepreneurs and we sort of give advice, that, that power of local, um, of, of, of networking locally and creating small events and, and, and creating something that's valuable for people is incredibly powerful, even if just 40 people show up. And that set things in motion. And, um, and for a while, we just were sort of steadily growing that and steadily added. We started growing more content and there were sort of like a few milestones when the site started to go daily and, and, and content. And that seems like a crazy concept today to just be like, oh, we're daily. But that was actually like a big step. And so over time, the audience started to, um, the people started to notice, the brand started to um, establish itself. And I think the, you know, the passion that we have for brand, which is something that we should really talk about because it's really, really important, um, and being really, really organic in that connection with people and, and, and not like a typical fashion magazine that sort of spoke to, spoke to someone and, and dictated something to an audience, but really building sort of a dialogue. Anyways, those were sort of the early ingredients of building something that then took on momentum. Yeah, and I, I would just also say that we, you know, we took a lot of risks, and we still do, and we made a lot of mistakes along the way. Um, and you know, I think one of the things that we've been really good at is risk taking, um, yeah. but also realizing when we've made a mistake and changing, and yeah. you know, not being not being married to uh, to one way of doing things and always being yeah. able to evolve. Yeah. What is one of the biggest challenges you guys face that you feel like you really pivoted in the right? in the right way. Uh, that, <laughs> that also, you kind of need a bottle of wine for that question. <laughs> you guys should write a book. I mean, maybe you already are, but. Um, I think that there's certain things that we've done that we did too soon. Um, you know, we, uh, 
for years, we were investing in a, a native commerce experience in the site. Um, and it's something that we still believe in um, longer term, longer, longer term, but we were just, we invested in it before we, we, we tried to get to, you know, to Z before we got to B. Um, and we didn't have the right process in place, the right kind of iterative process to get people used to consuming products, even just, um, you know, it, it get people further down the funnel before we tried to kind of force them all the way into an e-commerce conversion on it. And I think that was a mistake versus just really focusing on product discovery and not worrying about the checkout. Um, so the, I think that was a... I'll, I'll tell you one challenge that actually turned out really good. For a long time, we had a really difficult time raising money. Oh, yeah. And, for, and now yeah. you don't have any trouble at all. <laughs> well, it it's, took 10 years. For, for a long time, people were like, people were sort of interested in the brand they saw something that had you know a, a small amount of a following and clearly traction but they didn't see a business model particularly in content where they're like oh god i gotta get unlatched I, I i need to commit myself to that sort of you know the the whole landscape has changed now media and and entertainment has become something that is such a booming industry and people are really interested in it because they actually see scale in it but for a long time people did it and so um We'd raised a little bit of money, and we made that last a long, long time. And along the way, tried to raise money. People, you know, people would close doors on us again and again and again. But in some respect, that actually turned out to be the best thing ever because we were so small at the time, and no one actually had an agenda that they were driving on us. And we could sort of mess up. We could try things out and and fail at things and um, have that be sort of something that was okay. And I'm sure it also helped in kind of establishing the brand in the way you guys wanted to establish it. Um, totally. And, you know, how, how have you been able to keep on track? And, you know, you have how many writers now? You have a huge sales team. How have you kind of established your brand and your mission and, and really instilled that in everybody that works for you? It's like one of those things that keeps you up at night. It's the type of thing that you literally like have nightmares about. I, am I, you know, is what I'm doing still where I want it to be? And so I think what's been interesting is that Justin and I came to it with sort of as outsiders and then had people creating really, really great content who really, really um, had a longstanding history in, in fashion and, and, and in, in style and beauty and so on. But there was sort of this really, really intrinsic relationship of saying, okay, let's try things out, but let's also build a platform where we feel like we're really constantly thinking about how to reach the greatest amount of people um, through you know, distribution channels and investing in, in email early on, and, in, and then obviously you know, over the last several years, Facebook, and growing the community, and growing the community really, really organically. But I think with regards to content, you know, we've been sort of risk takers because you always need to, you know, you're looking at the year ahead and you're like, okay, we've got to grow. We've got to grow again and grow, um, grow substantially because that's what it's all about. But at the same time, you also want to make sure that you sort of have your true North Star always in mind about what you are. And so for us, it's been about sort of the sense of like, you know, independence, the sense of personal style, um, of being somewhat left of center and irreverent and trying to build that up. And at the same time, trying to grow into new categories. You know, we started just in fashion and style and now we're in beauty and home and living and wellness and, and news to some extent. And what you found is that the, the sort of uh, you know, traditional world of media, which has been so siloed for a long time, like you go to a magazine uh, stand and there's your beauty magazine, there's your health magazine, there's your fashion magazine, there's your news magazine. And, um, and that's sort of been turned on its head to some degree also by the emergence of just your, your 
you know, your newsstream, your Facebook newsstream, where all of a sudden you see, you know, a piece of news next to, you know, something that your friend posted next to something that is, you know, in fashion and beauty. And so bring it all together under sort of like a really strong point of view that is, stands for something that is, you know, empowering and um, at the same time really positive and, and aspirational and cool. It's been really, really important. And obviously we've had a great team of people that, has grown, that have grown that. I remember talking to Christine in like probably, I want to say it was mid-2011 and her being like, our traffic just shot up in six months. Like it was like a turning point. Something happened and you guys just exploded. What, what was that moment and why do you think things changed? I don't know if it was exactly that time, but I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I think it's a lot of things. So it's hard to isolate it to one, um, you know, one key moment. change or moment in the product. But we had been, you know, starting in early, early probably 2010, we started increasing publishing frequency. Mm -hmm. um, so by mid 2011, you know, the volume of content that we were producing um, had just increased exponentially. And the audience had gotten to a point where it started snowballing and growing at a faster rate. So the yeah. bigger you get, the easier it is to grow until it becomes really hard to grow. Yeah. Um, and so we had just reached that place where the snowball was big enough so that we were picking up users at a way faster rate. The other thing that happened was people started sharing like crazy on social networks. Yeah. So it took us a really, I mean, like, you know, like today we grow more in one week than we did, you know, probably for the entire two years, first two years of the entire business. Yeah. Um, because wow. of the, all of the social piping that's been laid, you know, over the past five years, um, you know, uh, throughout the, you know, throughout the internet. And so it's just, there was a lot of factors coming, a lot of kind of perfect storms coming together. Um, and so social played a big role in that and it's still playing a big role in that. What are the, the platforms that your readers, I mean, I'm assuming it's every platform, but what, which one, if you picked one, is like really something you guys are focusing on right now? I know a lot of fashion brands, obviously, it's Instagram. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's Instagram. It's, it's the, the usual suspects, but they're so different. Each one is so different. Yeah. And so, you know, the great thing about Instagram is that it's just this like amazing brand building um, channel. And it's also become this sort of ability, this, this platform that allows sort of anyone become, to become a creator. And it's interesting because we're working on this mobile product right now that is sort of a very, very different approach to how to consume Refinery29. It's very much based on what you actually see on Instagram in terms of a card-based design. And, um, and it allows you to actually absorb, you know, different type of media. So you can have, you know, you know there's, the refined, there's, there's sort of an avalanche every day at Refinery29 of people passing gifts around internally. And they're really, really great. And they should go up. You know, the same goes for Instagram and so on. So it's a really interesting way of consuming content in different ways that gets sort of, that is a different type of media. So, um, so Instagram is a channel that we've been focusing on a lot and is also a really important, you know, channel for, for you know, for, our, for the brand partners that we're working with. Um, you know, Facebook is sort of going crazy in terms of growth over the last six months just with the amount of people that are consuming the content through Facebook. And then Pinterest is a, it's a completely different beast with regards to people, you know, being really into how-to content, into DIY content. Um, very different content that people consume on, on, on Facebook. So really, really understanding the, sub the subtleties of each channel yeah. is, um, is so critical. Yeah. I'd love to talk about um, brand partnerships for a minute. Um, I was talking to a salesperson for a, or a 
someone media buyer for a luxury brand once and that person told me off the record that you guys are, you know, your audience is the most engaged, that you, they spend the most with you because it, you see results. What is your secret sauce for working with brands and making that content compelling? Because there are so many websites that have sponsored posts now. I mean, obviously the New York Times is doing them and, and you guys are doing them really well and they're working for the brands. What, what is your approach to that? What do you think you, you're doing differently than other people? Well, I mean, we, when we produce sponsored posts, we, um, you know, we believe that anything that we put in front of our user, we're responsible for. So that's the ad product, that's the sponsored post, it's the content marketing, it's the content itself, it's the, you know, the, the commerce opportunities when we put that out there. And so, um, for us, working really, getting our core team working with brands to create programs that we know our users will actually react to in a positive way is a fundamental part of the way that we do business on the ad sales side. So we have the same people who create our edit content consulting on the branded content that we're producing for brands. So the benefit is that the user gets an experience that actually makes sense for them because they're not getting content that they don't want to read because we know better than anyone what our users want. And the brand gets a program that's actually going to perform. Um, also, we don't, you know, our audience is just super engaged on top of it. Um, it's been, again, it's been a very organic growth process. Um, and so the people that come to our site really read it and really, really consume it in a meaningful way. And that's not necessarily true with every website. Yeah. I'd also like to go back quickly to the e-commerce element. Um, do we have to wrap up soon? I'm really bad at it. Okay. <laughs> um, it, I have bought a lot of stuff on Refinery29. I always thought, you know, what you guys did commerce-wise was really smart. It looked good. It was the right brands. And why don't you think, in general, content commerce plays have worked so far? Not that they won't in the future, but what do you think it is that isn't, the reader isn't connecting, the user isn't being able to put the two together? Because I don't know who stayed for the Net-A-Porte, who was here for the Net-A-Porte talk, but they are going in the opposite direction and launching a print magazine. So it's obviously not going anywhere, but you, what you guys did was good. So what do you think the disconnect is and how do you think that will change in the future? It's that this content commerce divide is a really, really interesting topic. You can speak about it at, at length. And I think there is, you know, again, like you said, there's people from both sides trying to tackle it. But I think what's, you know, what's interesting is that to us, it, the, the most important concept has always been around discovery. How do we really, and this goes back to the question about brands too, how do you serve something up to someone that actually feels like, like a great discovery? It's not about putting, you know, an ad banner up over there and feeling like, well, there's an ad banner and here's our content. So this piece of like around discovery has been really important. But at the end of the day, it's a really difficult, just from a, you know, from a product development perspective, a really difficult thing to sort of align very different objectives of saying, well, here now I have my commerce business, which is all about a transaction and a conversion and getting somebody to click on that button over there to get off the site as quickly as possible. When over here, the goal is to have, drive a conversation and to have people spend time on site and share what they've discovered and look at the next thing, because that's what our strength is as a company. And so when you, when you, when you try to bring those two things in, into sort of into, onto one page, it's actually a really difficult problem to solve for. 
And oftentimes people still actually at the end of the day sort of have a, have a wall there that doesn't, that doesn't really work. So for us, we felt that, you know, it's not really so much our job in the world to say, here's a checkout button and buy something. It's actually our job in the world to find and curate really incredible things. Let our editors and contributors find the 20 things, because you know, no one needs 500,000, the 20 things every morning that really inspire them. And, um, and connect them to brands and drive value out in the world to ultimately letting that consumer discover that product on somebody else's side. So I think ultimately we have so many ideas and like exciting ideas about creating things that you can actually purchase too and collaborations with designers and everything that is sort of like the stuff that really, that we're passionate about. But, um, but right now the mission is all about sort of like building a community, building engagement, getting people together and, and growing an audience that feels really, really authentic and really, really strong to, uh, to, to the product. I do think that there are some examples of actually interesting content commerce integrations out there of people that are doing interesting stuff. Flipboard is doing something interesting with regards to actually discovering um, products on the same page. But with regards, to, with regards to us, it's sort of all about building, building a community and focusing on, on how do we have that strongest connection between us and the, the user. So we have to. We are finally wrapping up for questions. But I, the last thing I want to ask you guys: you raised quite a bit of money, I think, last year, or 2012, or some sometime in the recent past. Last year. Um, and so now people want to give you money. They probably wanted to give you way more money than you took. Um, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> And what, what's, what's next for you guys? We're hiring everywhere. So if, yeah, if there's anyone, any engineers in here, come talk to us. <laughs> engineers, afterwards. editors, product people, designers, creatives, photographers, um, really, you know, in, in all areas of the company. So I feel like it would be great to be an engineer at Refinery because then you could have the editor style you. It's and, really you know, cool. You'd for anyone that's interested. <laughs> there's, there's a really funny transformation that happens when somebody starts who maybe doesn't have is sort of just a geek, and then over time, they just start to get really stylish. It's a really weird thing. Yeah. Our, our, C, our CFO now wears rag and bone jeans. That's amazing. It's, it's, really, it's, it's really That's cool. awesome. That sounds like the transformation I made on my husband. Um, who is he here? It, okay, whatever. Anyway, questions. First of all, congratulations. I'm from Uruguay. It's very far, and we're totally f we're fans of Refinery. Oh my so, God, I want to go. Yes. So about I was going to ask about that. Like, uh, what about international expansion? I, I follow you guys really close, and I know you guys uh, started in London, in England. What, what's next for Refinery? Well, you should start in Uruguay, first of all. <laughs> but... Uh, it's, we're so, so, I think the, the, the one thing that really excites us is that it's not, it's really about sort of, I think, a, a global mindset that we want to, that we want to drive from somebody who's like, oh, you can discover something really incredible in New York and in Tokyo and in Paris and, and drive that type of conversation. Um, and so uh, to us, we're thinking every day about how we take this product internationally and really go sort of beyond just the language barrier by actually being able to create a product where you feel like you can just discover cities or you discover great products um, by, by really sort of like networking the world of, of, of style and networking the world of really, really great products. So to us, we launched London last year, so the UK is like the sort of natural first market because it's, it's English speaking. But we really, really want to push the product out into, into more markets and really sort of connect people on the ground because at the end of the day it's really about community and finding really great people that tell the stories of, of those cities or of those of those of those markets through uh, so through sort of their eyes of discovery. 
Um, I'm kind of curious. You, you're in so many cities. You're um, recently in London, and you're in San Francisco and in New York. Do you use the same framework in each city, or do you try to let the city sort of drive the content um, on its own and kind of organically create its own unique content and its own unique way of doing things? The, uh, the latter. Um, it's, each city has its own voice and its own its own community, its own point of view. Um, you know, in each market, we focus the content on what is really special about that market. So DC, for example, we have a lot of, you know, content that involves politics and um, things of that nature. And from San Francisco, we have a lot of tech content that comes out of there. LA, there's entertainment content. Um, and then we still try and tie it back to stuff happening in that local market, but we really try and bring out the best, um, you know, the best that we can get out of each local region. Hi. Um, Hi. Full disclosure, I'm actually an intern at your company. I started last oh, week. No. But um, I, I knew it. I'm here completely just as a person that's nice interested you. in your company. Uh, um, I'm an editorial, by the way. Um, I guess I just wanted to know more about um, your company's approach to native ad advertising, because I feel like um, you've always been sort of the first generation to really do that, but in recent years, it's caught um, a lot of attention because other media companies like BuzzFeed is you know, also achieving great success in doing it. So do you think, is there a difference in when you first got into native ads than the way how you approach it now, like with Beauty Nation? And um, I know you've done work recently with Clarisil. And yeah. 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 Well, people didn't used to call it native ads. That's one of it the biggest It used to be called sponsored posts. It used to be called sponsored posts or dedicated content. Um, and so it's been, um, you know in, in, in New York when they create new neighborhoods? Like, is anyone here from, they live in Bed-Stuy? Um, so I lived in Clinton Hill. So now they call the neighborhood in between Bed-Stuy and Clinton, Clinton Hill um, Bedford Heights. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's kind of like that with native advertising. I mean, a lot of this stuff has been going on, um, you know, since media started. Um, even in, in magazines, um, it's just that now they've figured out how to package it and turn it into a product that can be marketed to get additional ad dollars from, because um, the way that the ad buying community works is that, you know, there's money that's put aside to buy banner media, you know, and now there's a whole new bucket of money that they've created specifically for this new product that they're calling native advertising in the same way that you try and create a new neighborhood. Um, so. I don't know if I answered your question. Um, Bedford Heights. Yeah, I kind of went on a I tangent there. I, but, um, but I mean, our approach is, is to, again, to create the best possible content for the user, even if it is sponsored, so that it just creates a better experience when they're on the site. Um, and we've been doing it. We've been trying to do that. And I think we've been doing it successfully since you know, 2006, 2007. And now more people are doing it. And I think that's a really good thing. Um, because it brings more awareness to that form of marketing, um, which means more people are investing in it. So, um, so it's actually a great thing for us that, that people like BuzzFeed and, um, and Gawker and, and you know, all these other guys are getting into it and, and proving that it works. Thank you guys very much for speaking. Um, quick question, you talked about the balance between content and commerce. Wondering your thoughts around the balance between physical and digital. We're seeing a lot of brands in the e-com side, you know, having a physical space. And of course, the traditional retailers are trying to catch up with mobile and online. 
what's all around us with, I mean, particularly with regards to the, the iBeacon product and the more the sort of like the emergence of um, driving consumers um, th through a discovery on their phone into a store or walking down, an, at the, down the aisle at a specific brand and discovering stuff on the rack that has been recommended to you. So that space is so interesting right now and there's so much happening there. And to us, we've always been really interested in driving somebody from ultimately like an experience that they have on the, on, on the side where they discover something cool to a great store. And, um, and, and so this sort of like omni-channel experience that people are really fo focusing on, I think is a, is, a, is a really, really, really interesting space. And to us, you know, we're thinking actively about how do we take like all this incredible content, all these incredible inspiration, all this inspiration that we put up there every day, you know, over 120 original articles, hundreds of original products uploaded every day into an experience where you walk down the street and you go back to this, you know, the initial sort of passion that we, that we had for creating something where you're walking down Crosby Street and you find that small store and it's like, hey, Here's something that has actually been recommended to me by you know this editor that I follow, or this person that is you know a great photographer or or, or um, you know designer, and leading you into store and having having a really great experience by discovering something in that moment. So I think that space is so interesting. It's something that we're thinking about all the time, and brands are sort of you know ferocious about it because at the end of the day, most retail is still driven through that physical experience. You know, you might find something online in a store, you might find something online, discover it, look at it, compare it, but at the end of the day, a lot, a lot, a lot of people, the majority, great majority of people still go into store and driving that connection to, to in, a, in a sort of fun, engaging way is something that I think is extremely important, something that we're thinking about all the time. Hello. I have been reading Refinery29 for a couple of years. Uh, back when I grew up in Chicago, I would read the Chicago section of the site as well as like all the everywhere sections. And what always really interested me about the site is that every post seems to have like a very playful um, and relatable like tone and sense of humor, and that was what drew me back to the site again and again. So I guess my question is, you know, what are some important lessons that you guys have learned about building your own brand personality, and what would be the best way to convey that over digital? So the first one is we're in fashion, which is a world that takes itself so seriously, and having a license to be funny is the first thing. So that has been so, so, so important to us. You know. Last, last week, one of our editors, Vanessa, went to the media day at the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, it was really funny. She, like, you know, she, did, she did a lot of things that probably won't get us invited back again next year. Um, but it was incredible. It was really great. And here's our style editor at that, at that specific event. And so sort of building that up has been a critical thing. And being funny is one of the most important things because it's just at the end of the day, it's like, it's, you know, it's a medium that historically, again, has taken itself so seriously, so breaking that wall is really important. Another thing to us that, that we really have always believed in is sort of the power of building up personalities on, on Refiner29, so that each one of our editors, of our contributors, literally dozens upon dozens, have their own brand, have their own community, have their own voice, where they feel like they're building up something that is a personal connection. And that's what you want at the end of the day, because it makes you feel like that much more engaged, it makes you feel sort of excited with, with what you have. So that voice that, that, that you were describing is, is really a result of sort of saying that 
we have sort of a few things that are really our filter, you know, to be sort of empowering, to look for sort of great independent, to look for independent style, which means just like discovering something that's new and unique in the world or how to style something that could be an everyday item, but in an interesting way. And then at the end of the day, to really mix it with, with the voice and with the personality of all these different people that have something unique to offer. And, and I think that's a really, really important concept in general to just how to grow a media brand online. Hi, um, I discovered Refinery when it was only um, e-commerce, and um, you introduced a lot of great brands, Lyle, Eskel. Um, so my question is, there's a lot of um, personal bloggers say, you know, there's um, instant connection and trust when you read personal blogs, say, Garan's story, am I spelling it? saying it right, um, uh, versus you, you know, I haven't seen your face until now, but I still read you. Um, uh, so what's the difference between, you know, um, a big company versus a personal um, bloggers these days? So many. Um, uh, what's a pro and con and, do you, you know, how do you trust the build when you don't put your face out? Thank you. We like to hide our faces. <laughs> That's a that's a hard question. I think at the end of the day, if you're if you're just your your own your own sort of brand and your own face, and it's just you, there's so many great examples of all these people that have created incredible sort of media media mini brands, uh, media mini empires as as bloggers and so on. And maybe at the end of the day, you have you know you know we we have 150 people on staff now at Refinery29. We've recently moved to offices, and maybe you have less headache, <laughs> which could be part of it. Um, I think at the end of the day, maybe you just have a little bit more freedom um, to uh, to just pursue your pursue your one thing. And I think for us, the benefit has been to just get so many more opinions from people. You know, being being surrounded by people that every day, from you know our editors, from our creative team, from our design team, from our photo team, from our product team, all bring sort of like different vantage points to the product, and that allows you to create something that's sort of much larger and much bigger. And, and much beyond just what we thought of, you know? So the product is really, you know, sort of just added on by, by talent and by people who come to, to offer really, really interesting opinions and thoughts to how to make it better. Hello, uh, my name is Lolita and I'm from Montreal. Uh, you were talking a, a little bit earlier before that uh, uh, at one point you can have a community and even though it could be as small as it is, it's still something important. And um, well, I'm gonna look like I'm seeking for like free advice, but um, I feel like uh, I wanna make something bigger of what I have, which is a blog. And I do, I do know that in my city I have a community. And I was just wondering, uh, where, when you decided that it was like a turning point that you were gonna make it bigger, you were thinking, okay, this is gonna work. Um, like, would you suggest of going in the way of like getting interns or um, actually trying to invest the more you can to have people around you that will work for you and that are working like for something? I hope I don't know if it's clear. No, I yeah. mean when we when we were starting off, um, we had a lot of interns. I mean, like we I don't think we could have gotten started without it. So um, you should definitely do that. Um, and you know, and we just kept hammering away at the community and trying to engage them as much as possible um, in the physical world. Um, and you know, again, it goes back to like what the world was like back in 2005. There weren't as many ways to engage them online, and so that was kind of all we had. But I think that it really long term, 
um, made our audience way more loyal and more engaged and, uh, and our brand more meaningful to them. Um, so you should just keep doing what you're doing and try and, you know, do, I, I don't know what kind of blog you have, if it's a shopping blog, if it's a fashion blog, but, but try, and, try and leverage the people on the ground that have their own communities and partner with them. You know, do events at stores, do events with, with other designers, do events with other bloggers. Um, and, and really, uh, you know, I think a culture of sharing when you're in the stage that, that, you're, that you're at is, is hugely important. Like, always be open and just willing to share and willing to collaborate with people. All right. Well, that's going to do it. Everybody join me in thanking our guest tonight. Thank, Thank you so you much so to much. Justin Thank Phillip you. for being here.